Welcome to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari Shrike, the artist and creator behind Not Sorry Art and Not Sorry Art School. I'm so excited to talk art and creativity with you. So grab a drink, grab a snack, and let's dive in. This episode of the Not Sorry Art Podcast is brought to you by Not Sorry Art School. Not Sorry Art School is my online art school I created two and a half years ago to supplement my workshop teaching when the pandemic hit. It became a really great resource where I could put all of my knowledge about representational painting into one space. We add one new section or demo every quarter to Not Sorry Art School, and you don't have to pay a membership fee. You pay one time, and then you get access to all of the past videos and all future videos. Not Sorry Art School has an online Facebook group where I have office hours every Monday, and I answer questions within the Not Sorry Art School Facebook group. And there's also a wonderful sense of community on there where people will share their paintings and get great consensual feedback. I'm really excited about Not Sorry Art School. So if you're interested, make sure to click the link and check out the about page to learn more about Not Sorry Art School. Hello, and welcome back to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari. Thanks for being here. Today's episode is about discipline and consistency. And I know before you run away, this isn't going to be a really like macho pep talk about the importance of working hard and white knuckling and and the only way to get ahead is by forcing yourself to some unnatural level of intensity. I would like to for 30 minutes to have a little bit of space to talk about sort of my philosophy on discipline and how it's actually more of an act of of love and self-compassion and sort of a good balance to to softness than it is some mentality of just putting in effort, delaying gratification, and, you know, sacrificing for some unknown futuristic win, right? And I I feel like a lot of times our culture, when I think of discipline, I think of like a drill sergeant, or I also think of a lot of these self-help books, these like habit books about, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. and cold showers and I'm not saying that those things can't be helpful or that they're wrong but I have found that discipline doesn't always look like that and discipline was something I knew I wanted to talk about on this podcast way before I ever sat down and started recording these episodes because I don't see a lot of people talk about discipline in this way and I think part of that is because culturally we are just now starting to walk away from this idea that hard things are good for the sake of being hard and that you're you're not entitled to joy or happiness or comfort unless you're you know working yourself to the bone in some capacity of your life and I fundamentally reject that idea I'll go into more detail obviously in the episode but I also think that I have a pretty good amount of insight on discipline because discipline has been arguably one of the biggest themes in my life I get a lot of comments, um, very kind comments about my work output and my art and, you know, words like talented and skilled get thrown around. And I'm always appreciative of that, but I really think that the one, maybe even the only (laughs) differentiating factor for me is that I am radically consistent. And I want to talk through the mindset and the fuel and how I frame that discipline and consistency because I hope it's helpful I think it's been helpful for me and there was a point in my life where I worked out of discipline and it was very externally motivated and 
I had to walk away from that mindset and I found my way back. And I think through that journey, I've gained some insight and I would love to share that today with you guys. So if that sounds interesting to you, if we want to hear a little bit, some anecdotes in my life about discipline and how you can integrate discipline into your life in a way that doesn't feel like white knuckling and working hard for the sake of working hard, then I think this will be a good episode for you. Thank you again for being here and yeah, let's just dive into it. So like with many things in my life that I've had to learn to do with radical intentionality, my relationship with discipline starts as a generational wound. I remember being really young and my parents sort of labeled me as this like flighty, never can stick to anything sort of child. I have two other siblings and both of them are a little more consistent. If my brother was into something, he was into something for years same with my sister and I would pick up one thing make it my whole personality be really intense about it and then a month later a week later a few days later would be on to the next thing my parents really quickly labeled this a flaw because it was something that my dad really struggled with and he had you know had lots of demons in his life but one of the biggest ones was he kind of couldn't stick to anything and you know, he struggled with substance abuse, I think in no small part because of this, because of this lack of willpower that we never really spoke of out loud so much as a family, but a lot of the condemnation towards me doing something fairly benign, which as a kid was just switching from one identity to the next, it became this moralistic label on me that I was bad because I wasn't consistent or that I didn't pick one thing and that I would never be successful. In fact, I have a really vivid memory of being in the kitchen with my dad and he was eating a sandwich over the sink. And I forget the context of the conversation, but I remember him saying, well, you'll never succeed because you can't stick to anything. And obviously this kind of wedged itself in my brain pretty deep because I can still picture what it looked like in my mind. But I remember this feeling like I was so doomed to this, but I have enough of a fiery spirit that I remember using this and sort of saying, well, you're going to be wrong about this. I'm going to stick to things. And I remember the first place that I really was able to put this sort of resistance into action was as a track athlete. So our parents were really, they really wanted us to try to get out of poverty by doing really good in school and getting an academic scholarship. That was kind of what they pushed on all of us pretty equally. We didn't have a college fund waiting for us, but as a lot of, you know, older generations sort of believed hook, line, and sinker, that the only way to get ahead was to get a, at least a four-year college degree and that your work would be insured. Obviously things have not quite unfolded in that capacity, but that was a narrative that was very much directed at us children. So I had to do a lot of persuading to get my parents to let me do track in eighth grade. That was my first time any of us children had ever done a sport. We couldn't really afford it, but I was able to sort of finagle the track coach into waiving my, I believe it was like a $25 athletic fee. And I was also able to finagle one of my friends to give me a ride back because that was also something my parents weren't willing to do. So I signed up for track in eighth grade and it was like two months long season and I was not particularly great at it but I enjoyed it and 
then I signed up in, in high school, which was the next year. And I signed, signed up for cross country, which is in the fall. And I wasn't particularly great. I was built like a runner, but I was not particularly fast my first couple of years. And so the word potential was thrown around a lot, but I, I was definitely not like wildly good from the start. And I don't know, I just stayed with it. I, I think the first few years of doing something, you're excited. But I remember it was in that third year, my junior year of cross country, that all of a sudden I started making some breakthroughs with moderate effort. I wasn't wildly dedicated. I started doing some runs at home. I started pushing myself a little bit. And all of a sudden my time started to pretty dramatically fall. And all the while, I remember thinking the magic is just showing up. Like I remember feeling really proud of myself for making it to year two and three. And, you know, by the time you're in year three, you're sort of setting yourself up for college. And I remember once I finally got that scholarship offer and you have to admit, like that was something I hoped for, but I didn't really plan on. It proved something pretty dramatic to me, and that is that there really is power in just continuing to show up. And before I move on to to college, I'll also make a note here that in high school, we had a really small cross-country team. In fact, my last two years, I was the only girl on the team, and there were two boys on the team, so tiny, tiny, tiny program. And I had to become really good at motivating myself. And I remember one of the things that I used in high school ended up becoming a tool that I've used in other areas of my life and that tool is just get closer and also be okay if you need a break and I'll explain that so the just getting closer part I remember I would have to motivate myself to go on these long runs on the weekends and we didn't do it as a team again tiny program the teachers and coaches were not getting paid enough to care about what we did on the weekend so I had to motivate myself and I wouldn't want to You know, I've not, I was labeled, again, this kind of flighty, lazy kid. (laughs) And I remember doing this thing with myself where I said, well, what if you just get in your running gear? Like, just get the sports bra on, just get the shorts on, and then lay down. You don't have to go run. Just do that. And I would sort of coax myself into that. And sometimes, at that point, I would just be motivated enough to go run. And then the next thing I would do is I would, like, look through a playlist of music and just select some songs for the run on my little mp3 player (laughs) and then usually by that point I I almost certainly wanted to go on a run and the last thing I would do is I had these this stack of running times running world magazines and those almost always motivated me to run so I would flip through those at this point I'm dressed I've got music and if at that point I wasn't motivated to run then I would allow myself I would say I guess I really need the break and I would allow myself to not run that day. Now, the thing is, 99.9% of the time, by this point, I'm motivated to go on a run. So even just sort of coaxing myself into doing one of those steps usually was the, the trick. It just I just needed to get the ball rolling. I needed to start that momentum. But what I learned, I began to learn, and maybe I didn't have the words for it then, but is that motivation was less of this, you either have it or you don't. You're either just like this intrinsically motivated person or you're not. And I realized that it was sort of this more flexible, malleable mindset shift and almost like games that you had to play with yourself. And that I sort of started to realize that there was, you had like two parts of yourself. You had like Sari the creature, <laughs> like that just wants to hang out in bed and, and, and chill and relax. And, you know, Sari the person who's kind of looking out for myself in the future and 
that discipline is kind of a dance between the two and you can't just push yourself for your goals because you'll end up getting hurt or injured or burnt out but you also can't just be motivated by the need to stay still. Something to note is a study that I actually found whenever I was researching some some themes and ideas around discipline and that is the importance of of labeling yourself and how we sort of think of ourselves. So I'm sure we're all familiar with the famous marshmallow study. If you're not, basically it's a study where they took children. I think they also did this with adults, but they took children and they had them sit in front of one marshmallow and they said, if you can sit in front of this marshmallow for one minute, two minutes, whatever metric of time and not eat the marshmallow, that whenever I come back, you can have two marshmallows. And so the idea is delayed gratification. And this is just one way to exercise that, that willpower or that discipline. And an interesting thing that they did with this study, because the first time they did this study, they sort of were able to predict that the people who had less willpower, that they there was some correlation with later in life having less success, that the results of that have been called into question a little bit. But a really interesting modification of that study that they did was they sort of told these children, um, they put them in two different color shirts, right? They grouped some in orange and they grouped another group in green shirts. And they said, okay, the kids in orange never eat the marshmallow until the two minute mark. And then they get two. They always wait and get two. And kids in green shirts always just eat the marshmallow. And they sort of, they saw what ended up happening is that children believe their narrative. You're more likely to eat the marshmallow right away if you were told the narrative that kids with your color shirt eat the marshmallow and kids and vice versa and they were able to replicate this and you know do all the controls but the the takeaway was that if you believe that you don't have the discipline or the ability to sort of delay gratification if you believe a narrative around that that you're more likely to sort of buy into that and let that sort of come to fruition and I think this points out something that I learned pretty early which is sort of out of defiance I I think on some level I still thought I was this lazy kid, but I, I sort of willed myself to be this disciplined person. I, I knew that I needed discipline to sort of get out of my situation of being, you know, below the poverty line. But more importantly, I needed myself to be more disciplined than my dad, or at least to prove him wrong. And so how do we put this into action? You know, I think it's going to be different for everyone and I certainly can't look into your situation and give you exactly what that feedback looks like but I think I would say here is to be really aware of the narratives that we tell ourselves and the stories and for me it was less of do I think I'm disciplined or not this is something I still (laughs) truthfully grapple with am I you know what are we what is it to be disciplined who knows but I will say that I very quickly was able to say even if I am not disciplined even if like the, the animal version of me isn't disciplined I can trick myself into to working very hard. And I think knowing and having that proven to myself created a narrative where I had I learned to trust myself. And because of that, my personal narrative was, well, I might be kind of lazy, but I can I can really get myself to move. I can do stuff, you know, I can I can make myself motivated. Okay, cut to college. And I'll be brief here because the thing you need to know about college was that I was doing cross-country track indoor track all season long so there wasn't wasn't really an off season for us I was one of the only people on my team who had a job and so I worked 
all the weekends I wasn't racing. I worked all summer full time and I worked a lot of the breaks and stuff. So I, I was working actively. I had to pay for my car. I had to pay for books and, you know, my last couple of years I had to pay for room and board. So because of that, I, a narrative around me, a big part of my identity in college in those four years was that I was incredibly disciplined and motivated. And I heard a lot of, well, how can you do that? How is that possible? Oh, I, I could never do that. If, are you even sleeping? And, and I would say at this point, uh, I had begun to master discipline in this sense. But I think an important thing to note here was that it was, it was not just internal motiv- motivation. It, it may have been what I needed to get out. And, and I'll just say here that I haven't fully pieced out how I feel about all this, but it may have been what I needed to get out of the situation that I was sort of born into, but I was definitely at this point neglecting just my basic care, getting enough sleep. I slept probably more with a newborn than I did during these seasons of these four years. It was truly the hardest um, point in my life in a lot of ways, but so much of what I was working towards and so much of my discipline came from a mixture of proving people wrong, of the need to graduate, of the need to be, you know, getting faster every year, of all of these things, good or bad, right or wrong, a lot of my motivation turned very external. And so now we hit a moment of crisis with discipline. Again, I really need you guys to know that like my identity, more than being an artist or a runner or Sari or any other aspect of my personality was that I was that disciplined girl. I I really, like it was, it was my thing. and not in a healthy way and so whenever I graduated and we moved to Austin and we were away from my family and kind of all the things that I had been running from metaphorically and literally in some cases caught up with me I had injured my leg my last year in my track season so my final season of being a college athlete I broke my femur and it was a stress fracture from overworking (laughs) you can only do so many 90 mile weeks with four hours of sleep before that catches up with you but I I couldn't run I didn't have school I was looking for a job and in every way I felt like an absolute failure And also I neglected to take care of myself. So what ended up happening was I was in a situation where for about a year and a half, about two years, truthfully, I didn't make anything. I didn't do anything. I I mean, I will say like side note, like I ended up having a child during this time. So there's, it's, it's more complicated, but for lack of time, I will just say like the dominant feeling during this season of my life was that I was not working towards anything. However, quietly, under sort of the surface of all of this struggle and failure and this difficult time I was having, I began seeing a counselor because I things were truly very dark during this time period mentally. And one of the things we started working on and that I'd never really heard before is the importance of just like taking care of yourself, of not having to push and how, you know, if you push yourself too hard, you can actually injure yourself both physically, which I was experiencing, and then also mentally this is where I think I started to have like a bit of a crisis with what does discipline look like and who does discipline serve and what's the point of being disciplined if at the end of the day you're hurting yourself more than helping yourself at this point of the story the thing that sort of crept back into my life was my creative practice again I was really struggling to heal probably because I had completely tore up my body (laughs) for those years of pushing myself but my, my stress fracture was taking forever to heal and mentally I was just in a dark place. And so I challenged myself to do one painting a day or one drawing a day, January of 2016. 
And a lot of the thinking here was I had become so frustrated that I could not keep my creative practice going. I wanted to. The whole year and a half, almost two years where I didn't paint, my goal was absolutely to paint and become a painter and keep that going. But I struggled to make the kind of work that I had made in college and had gotten really upset by it because I had, again, my motivation had become very external. My fuel was very externally motivated and you know a creative practice takes a long time to get off the ground and there, there might be months years even decades between when you start making art in earnest and when you start getting the external validation that feels like it fits your artwork and that's a hard pill to struggle when your only your only fuel for your discipline and your motivation for years has been external and so what was so magical and transformative I didn't know it in the moment, I will say. But what was so, in hindsight, what was so transformative about just making these little sketches in a notebook was that I was beginning to create discipline for myself. And this is kind of where the magic of of what I'm trying to say, I think, comes through. I had learned the nature of discipline. I had learned that it wasn't that every fiber of your being is excited towards your goal at the same time, but that you had to just set yourself up to where the part of yourself that was motivated, you just gave a little more of a push in that direction. You set that part of yourself up for success. You know, you took care of yourself. You, um, you know, got your running clothes out for yourself. You, you sort of just had to, it, it was a, a game that you could play with yourself more than just thinking that somehow you'd have this overwhelming sense of motivation and it would take care of itself. It was this understanding I had learned from my almost decade of running at that point that motivation was a trick and you didn't have to be all in to be motivated. And so between that lesson and this newly emerging sense of I would like to create just for me. And it, it was here that the magic happened. So I had learned that I could trust myself. That if I wanted to say I'm going to run every day of the week minus one off day for two years, I knew I probably could make myself do it. Even if I had been out of running for a long time, I know that... I can start really, really slow and work my way up. I had trusted that ability within myself. And I, I trust that ability in everyone. Now that may mean you're running this at a pace that's as slow as your walk. But if you show up, barring some extenuating circumstances, that you will see progress. Even if the progress is just you're better at keeping a promise to yourself, which is valuable, by the way. But I began to take this framework for motivation that I proved to myself, and I started to combine a different kind of fuel into that engine, if you will. And that fuel was doing it because I deserve it, because I deserve the hard work. And here's where a kind of a paradigm shift happens. A lot of times when we think motivation, we think we're doing it for someone else, right? One thing I was thinking about when I was writing this episode was how a lot of times, especially as people who our feminine presenting, our first real exposure with discipline is in our relationship with food, right? And it's this idea that your consumption of food needs to have a level of discipline over it in order to externally validate something about yourself. It's not necessarily for yourself, but it's this, in order for me to be accepted by society, I must enact discipline over this deeply primal human urge. And I think for a lot of us, it really begins to taint our 
view of what discipline is and how it is to be used. And again, I think we're culturally in a place where we're starting to resent this sort of puritanical work for the sake of work mindset. And, you know, we're all exhausted with our current economic system and we're all overworked and we're working twice as hard for half the pay. And the idea of work, I think we're all being deservedly critical of it right now. But I would like to sort of put a a little stake in the sand and say that discipline shouldn't just be completely thrown out, rather that we should re-examine who and why we're being disciplined for and to what end. And during this time, when I started my creative practice, I had the framework of what of the trust that I knew I could do with discipline. But I began to do that for myself because I needed to show up for me because I deserve to have a consistent creative practice. And it was through this shift, and it's a slow shift, I will say, I will make a note here, that when I had been used to a level of discipline that had me, you know, waking up at six to go run eight miles and then be in class all day and then do go to a second practice to do a track workout and lift and then go immediately to work and get off at midnight, going from that level of effort to motivation for myself felt really different because it's like a muscle right whenever you switch your fuel whenever you realign why and how you're motivating yourself you're not going to have the same kind of output and I think that was the scariest part for me because all I could do for myself in the beginning was 30 minutes a day (laughs) little sketchbook and I know externally that probably seemed like quite a drop in discipline and output and consistency but showing up every single day and giving myself the space to do something small, that's how it needed to start for me. And for everyone, it's going to be different. Someone might, it may be just taking pictures with your phone on a walk and just doing that every day. You know, if, especially if you don't have any practice in being disciplined, I mean, certainly at all, but for yourself, switching to being disciplined for yourself is going to be a hard task and you need to look at it kind of like any kind of exercise that it's not about hoping one day you just are so motivated to to paint for your own sake that you you know can crank out a body of work it's this understanding that motivation is like a muscle you really have to start small and more importantly trust that the act of consistently showing up and building that trust with yourself is going to lay the groundwork for a practice that's full of good, well-motivated, self-motivated discipline. Now, something I intended to say kind of at the top of the episode, but <laughs> I'm looking at my timer and I'm almost almost up at the episode, but something I wanted to, to acknowledge and save space for is the reality that I don't hear a lot of people who talk about discipline share. And that is that there are truly some situations and some people and some predicaments where you don't have the space to, to have a practice. And so I talk about discipline a lot when I'm on like my retreats or when I coach anyone in person. And sometimes people will say like, I don't have time to make art and they explain their day. And it's, I mean, only you can be a barometer of like how much time and space you have for a new practice. But I will look at them and be like, yeah, you're you're right. Like it's, and, and the, the hard part of it is that we live in a you know pretty exploitative society in some capacities where some people because maybe they're taking care of their parents and their children and they have a job and they're doing all the domestic care in their house like if they look at their day they truly may not have 
the time to be consistent at this season of life. And I just want to save a little bit of space to, to just honor that. So if you're listening to this episode and you know you agree, but you're like, I, I really don't have the space and time, I just want to say that that's valid. And you know our society has failed you and I'm very sorry. And I also wanted to sort of say that like, again, only you can see if you have the time and space for it. It's going to be different from one person to another. So someone who may have a ton of, you know, time in theory may look at their, their life and say, well, I have a chronic illness and I don't have energy to do it. And so what externally may look like a lot of free time may be time that you need to sleep and rest and take care of yourself. And so the, the metric of, again, this is the point that I've continued to make over and over, only you, only intrinsically, only within looking inside of yourself can you determine if you have the space to sort of enact this kind of discipline that I've been talking about. So my final note on discipline is really about the importance of determining what kind of fuel is going to motivate you. In layman's terms, in simple, plain, plain speak, it's make sure that you're doing it for yourself. And even if other people can benefit from it, you know, now my our business is a business and it supports my family, but it would have never gotten to the place where I'm at now had I not selfishly, and I, I don't mean that at a pejorative, but super duper selfishly said, I'm not going to watch my kid for 30 minutes, or I'm going to do it in nap time, or you watch the kid while I paint, or I am going to, instead of cleaning the house or doing looking for a job or Instacarting or whatever I was doing back then. Instead of doing all of those things that would have probably more immediately helped my situation, I'm gonna take this time and I'm gonna devote it to me. And even if no one else understands it, even if it's not successful, even if it doesn't quote, look good, I see the value in it. It's important to me. And so for that reason alone, it's worth the discipline. And on the side of discipline, I think my biggest takeaway is don't be afraid to start tremendously small and that consistency and discipline is the most important thing when we think of exercise it's it's great if one day you feel so motivated that you can run for 40 minutes on a treadmill and then do a whole body hit workout <laughs> and then stretch for 40 minutes that's great but you're only ever going to get as you know to your fitness goals as you can devote every single day Another way of framing this is it's like with relationships where when things are going good and you say nice things and you're kind and you do wonderful things, that's great. But your relationship is only as good as it is on your bad days. You know, if the bad days are so bad that it's hurting you in some way, then who cares if it's great when it's good? And I think there's some of that in in discipline where, you know, it's great if you're motivated and you want to sit down and paint for two hours, but... You also have to honor yourself on the days that you don't feel like you deserve it or you don't have what feels like enough time. And again, there's valid, I don't have time arguments, but when you look at what you're doing with your life and you're wanting to be consistent, you know, can you can you show up? Can you just go clean your studio? Can you organize your creative space? Can you send out that email for yourself? Can you order new brushes online even if you don't want to paint that day can you show up for yourself in some way and stay consistent so this episode was more of like a story I suppose more talking kind of about my experience I wanted to do an episode that had some science in it and I may do that later if there's enough interest if you guys want me to dive into sort of more of the science of all of this I can definitely do that but I I I knew I wanted to sort of tell my 
I suppose, more anecdotal story to all of this because discipline has been a huge thing in my life. It's been a huge, it's, it's the reason I'm at where I'm at now. And it's a lesson that I had to learn really overtly as a very young person to sort of escape a bad situation. It's a lesson that I've had to not let our very externally focused work for the sake of work, puritanical culture completely co-opt. Once I was able to reimagine what consistency could look like when it was working for me is when I really tapped into what I think is kind of like the superpower of, of life, or at least my life. I hope any of that was helpful or insightful. As always, you're free to, to leave questions and remarks. I always really appreciate hearing from you guys. If you're enjoying the podcast, if it made you think of something, if I missed something, all feedback is good feedback. But Thank you again for listening and yeah, I hope that some of this can help you in your own practice and you deserve discipline. And always, I'm going to invite you to leave a comment or a review on the Apple store. This is always helpful because it helps newer podcasts like the Not Sorry Art podcast gain traction. And more importantly, it helps me gain insight into how you guys are enjoying the podcast. It's always really wonderful feedback to hear. So I appreciate it. And thank you again for those who've left that review. If you do decide to leave a review, make sure to leave your handle so I can read that off on the air on next week's episode. Thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your day and happy creating.